Well, Christmas is coming. Uh, we all know that. And today is the first Sunday in Advent. I've even got an Advent calendar this year, a chocolate one. It's the first time for a while. Um, so I wonder, what's the greatest gift that you have ever received at Christmas? For me as a child, it was this amazing Lego Technic car chassis. If you're around in the 1980s, you might know what I'm talking about. Um, I dreamt about it, but I didn't ever dream I'd be given it. And it was a shared present uh, with my younger brother. Um, and he still talks about how unfair it was that I built it all. But I think that's a different kind of sermon. Um, but increasingly, as I get older, the gifts that I really appreciate are to do with relationships. But what does the Bible say to us is the greatest gift we could ever want or need? Well, the text this morning has got to be one of the best-known, well-known passages in the whole of the Bible. It's, um, if you're not a Christian, it's got to be very familiar. Uh, it's so well-known. But this morning, I want to us to look at this passage afresh, as if for the first time. Why are there angels? Why shepherds? Why in Bethlehem? Why a manger? Is it a random collection of events? Uh, and people a bit like it can feel when we go to a, a school nativity play. Uh, what's, what's going on? And my hope for us this morning as we look at the passages that we'll find that when we recognize the identity of this baby and we meet the real Jesus, that we'll see the birth of this baby is the greatest gift to the world and realize that we have to respond to him in worship. So first, let's recognize the greatest gift. If you look down at verse 8, the sit setting is very ordinary. We find shepherds in fields watching over their flocks. It's nighttime. But these ordinary shepherds are about to witness something completely extraordinary. Let's read from verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Well, angel means messenger. And angels don't often appear in the Bible. And when they do, they often bring good news from God. And so it's to these ordinary shepherds that an angel of the Lord appears and the glory of the Lord shone around the shepherds. And they are terrified. Now, we can find it hard to believe things that are not in our own experience. And maybe you've even wondered about the existence of angels. But the shepherds here had no such problem. The angel appears to them. They are terrified by what they see. They're deeply moved in their heart and soul. But what does the angel say to them? Verse 10, do not be afraid. I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all the people. The angel tells them not to be afraid. Why? Well, the angel is bringing a message of good news from God that will be joy for all people. So what is this good news? In verse 11, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now these words are probably very familiar to many of us. But to properly understand this, we need to understand the setting and look back in Luke's gospel. And it's the detail that helps us see that this moment in Bethlehem is one of the high points in history. Signposted and foretold in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. The revealing of a gift that isn't a surprise, but is foretold. If we look back in Luke at uh, chapter 2 to part we didn't read, uh, verses 1 to 5. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. In verse 4, we see that Joseph and Mary are away from their hometown, Nazareth, and in Galilee. And we're told in verse 1, the only reason that they are in Bethlehem at this moment is because of a census of the entire Roman world. So they've come from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But why Bethlehem? Well, the prophet Micah in the Old Testament had foretold that out of Bethlehem would come one who will be ruler over Israel. Or in Matthew's Gospel, one who will shepherd my people Israel. And also in verse 4, Bethlehem is called the town of David. That's the David of David and Goliath fame. A shepherd boy from Bethlehem who became ruler and king of Israel. So Bethlehem is the town of King David. And we also see in verse 4 that Joseph came to Bethlehem because he belonged to the house and line of David. So Joseph was a descendant of this King David. And we also know that Joseph was in Bethlehem with Mary, who was expecting a child. And if we look back to Luke chapter 1, we can see that this Mary promised to marry in marriage to Joseph, a descendant of David. Mary has, like the shepherds, also been visited by an angel with a message a message that she would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a son, Jesus, who will be great and call the Son of the Most High, the Son of God. So we have Joseph from the line of a shepherd boy, King David, with his betrothed Mary, who's been promised by an angel will give birth to the Son of God, who she's to call Jesus. They live in, they live in Nazareth, not Bethlehem, so God orchestrates a Roman census to transport Mary and Joseph from Nazareth so that this promised 
son, Jesus, is born in Bethlehem, the town of David, out of where will come a ruler who will save and shepherd God's people, Israel. And God chooses an angel to appear to Jewish shepherds, who it's very likely knew about the promise of a ruler to be born in Bethlehem. What a slightly complicated but amazing setting and a backdrop into which God sends an angel. Wow. And notice that God sends an angel. He doesn't send a messenger boy to these hills to come uh, and tell the shepherds. No, well, why would they believe that? God sends a heavenly message, messenger who they cannot ignore. And what does the angel say? Look back to chapter 2 and verse 10. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The one God promised to his people, a saviour, the chosen one, the master, has been born. But in order for us to see how great this gift is, we need to understand what it is that we are saved from. And that's what Stu talked to us about last week. We are saved from the greatest of problems. The problem that we are separated by sin, our rejection of God's rule over our life, from our creator God, who made us for everlasting relationship in peace with him. This relationship of peace, joy, and at oneness with God was enjoyed by Adam and Eve at the beginning, but was broken through their disobedience. Death enters the world. Shame and guilt enter the world. They're no longer right with God. They've turned away from him. Now the Bible doesn't shy away, is brutally clear about the state of those who do not know God, who are under the power of sin. We heard this last week. Romans 3 verse 10 onwards says, No one is right with God. No one at all. No one understands. No one trusts in God. All of them have turned away. They've all become worthless. No one does anything good. No one at all. They do not know how to live in peace. They don't have any fear of God. Not recognizing the impact of sin on my life, it's like having a serious illness that I can't see. I live oblivious to it, and I need to receive a diagnosis that sin is at work to understand how it can be dealt with and receive treatment. I think of a colleague of mine who's not a Christian, recently diagnosed with a serious illness that she couldn't see prior to this diagnosis. She'd been living without fear and oblivious to the illness destructively at work in her body. On finding that she was seriously ill, initially she was very fearful. Fearful of death, fearful for her young family. Was treatment possible? But then with diagnosis and understanding the illness could be dealt with, came relief, assurance of recovery and immense gratitude. Well, what Jesus has done for us is even greater than this. 
and more important than any medical treatment that we could ever receive. Our own diagnosis is that our relationship with God is broken because of sin and we will die apart from God. But the good news for all people is that we are saved from our sin through Jesus' death and resurrection. Our sin can be dealt with. There is assurance of forgiveness and we can be made right with God. Romans 3 goes on from the passage I just read. We are made right with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. This happens to all who believe. It's no different for the Jew than for the Gentile. Everyone has sinned. No one measures up to God's glory. The free gift of God's grace makes us right with him. Christ Jesus paid the price to set us free. And so the angel announces, this saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, Christ Jesus. And this saviour is the heir to David's throne, a king over God's people who Israel, tell, who Isaiah tells us will maintain justice and righteousness who will rule with everlasting greatness and peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this angel who comes to the shepherd is saying, right now, today, in this town, is the greatest gift, the forever king, and I'm here to tell you about it. But who's this gift for? The angel doesn't just say a saviour has been born. The angel says a saviour has been born to you. It's personal. It's a personal gift to them and a gift in the person of the Lord Jesus. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The greatest gift has been signposted in the past and is now revealed the angel says don't take my word for it this will be a sign to you you'll find him wrapped in a cloth lying in a manger and if this isn't enough in verse 14 the curtain is drawn back on heaven and we see a glimpse of jesus kingdom revealed a great company of angels appears praising god and saying glory to god in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favours, favour rests. Can you imagine what this must have been like? This baby, this child, is the Prince of Peace, who will bring peace to those on whom his favours rests, those who put their faith and trust in him. He's a gift to all people, a saviour who will restore things to how they were before sin 
entered the world. Our diagnosis is that we cannot deal with the mess in our lives by ourselves. We are not at peace. There'll be a lot of us this morning struggling with a lot of things. We need treatment. So my question is, if you're a Christian this morning, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, do you actually believe this? Or do you act as if you're still ill? That we don't have a diagnosis that is treatable, that Jesus has dealt with this. And if you're here and you're not sure if you believe in Jesus, do you see that this is your diagnosis too? Secondly, receive the gift. So having seen the angels and heard the message, we told the shepherds, hurry off. The shepherds don't question. The curtain of heaven has been drawn back. They've met with God through the angels. And what do they say in verse 17? Let's see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. They've had a personal encounter with the Lord God. And they go and the sign is as it has been told to them. They find the baby Jesus lying in a manger. But isn't this a, a strange place for a saviour, for a king to be born? Jesus' birth is not only signposted, but its setting shows the kind of king that Jesus will be and is and shows the nature of his kingdom. The appearance of the angel to the shepherds shows He's come for everyone. And the place of his birth, a manger in a stable, shows he's not interested in earthly pomp and worldly power. Because of what the shepherds see, they are in no doubt of the truth of the message that they have been given. So what about us, who haven't been visited by an angel, at least as far as I know, or seen the baby Jesus how can we be in no doubt of this message? Well, God's message has been given to us in his word, and it is personal. And we can understand the message. We can know that this gift is offered to us. And by God's spirit, we can believe it and we can receive it. We can have confidence in this gift. Indeed, at the beginning of this gospel, Luke writes, I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. And along with God's word, there's a testimony of fellow Christians and their experience of restored relationship with the Lord and knowing peace and joy through the work of the Holy Spirit. We're to receive this gift. And finally, enjoy the gift. Now we can only enjoy a gift once we've received it, in the way I enjoyed that Lego model. And the shepherds see who this baby is. They've seen him with their own eyes. So how do they respond? In verse 17, we see that they spread the word. All who heard it were amazed. And who wouldn't be? And that should include us too. Are you amazed this morning? 
And isn't that what we do if we've experienced something we've really enjoyed? We want to share it with others, as well as taking joy in it ourselves. The shepherds return to their field and their sheep, glorifying and praising God for all things they have heard and seen, just as it's been told to them. This good news that is cause for great joy for all the people. The shepherds experience the joy, the majesty, the awe, the humility, the topsy-turviness of King Jesus and his kingdom. And they continue to praise and give God the glory afterwards. And we should do the same as the shepherds and the same as Mary, who in verse 19, that wonderful verse, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And Jesus calls us to enjoy this same gift. So have you received Jesus so that you can enjoy the peace that he offers, that he personally offers to you? When we meet the real Jesus, when we understand that he is the greatest gift we could ever wish for or receive, when we glimpse heaven and see God's power and might and majesty, when we see his care for us, that he's dealt with our sin so that we can enjoy relationship with him, we cannot but treasure these things, respond in faith, in wonder and worship, in enjoyment of this gift. Can you see that? Will you behold Jesus for who he is? And will you worship him? Let's have a moment of prayer and then I'll pray.